UK Motor Talk. Well, hello everyone. We're back. I'm back. We are all around you. And whatever, because we were talking about surround sound prior to coming on uh, on air. But it, it's a pleasure to be here again. I'm Mike. Guys, please, rescue me. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Jim. Good evening. Nice to see you uh, back and on sparkling form as well. Congratulations on the, uh, on the resurrection. Didn't know it was Easter. <laughs> it tingled. Good evening. I'm Graham. And I'm Dave. Rumours of his demise have been rudely exaggerated. Nice to see you back, Mike. How are you doing? Even if we are now calling him Lazarus. I'm tepid. <laughs> yes. What, are, what have I missed? What's, what's going on? Well, quite literally World War Three. you appear to have missed, as that's, uh, that's been properly kicking off. Well, it, it had kicked off uh, in the last podcast or two, hadn't it? But since, uh, since you were last with us, it has now just properly kicked off to the point where... Uh, even if people weren't concerned about it, the uh, the price of fuel this week has gone a tad on the ballistic side, hasn't it? I've I've never seen it this high. It was one one seventy, one eighty a litre. I'm sure there's uh, the odd service station that's got to be nudging two pounds a litre now, hasn't it, for diesel and oh yeah, ten fifteen p cheaper for unleaded. But it's uh, it's gone absolutely crackers. M25 a couple of days ago was uh, about one ninety for wow. unleaded. And even mm. my, my sort of local garage on the A21 was at 161, and it's going to get worse. I can remember drinking in my, in my youth, obviously at a legal age, uh, substances like white lightning, which will soon be cheaper to run a car on, I reckon, than, than actually putting unleaded in. Any minute now, sort of running it on finest single malt scotch whiskey will be cheaper than running it on natural petrol, won't it? I think when you factor in road tax and things, it probably is. I'm, I'm being totally and utterly bummed by this i'm sure i've moaned about this many times before but road tax is like 360 quid now for the mini and i'm getting i was getting a, a useful 22 to the gallon uh out of the car i'm now getting something stupid like 185 miles to about 70 quids worth of fuel uh because of the <laughs> because of the fuel price which which is painful uh, it has to be said quite painful i, I just want to just want to come back actually to the the war in Ukraine, which we we all agree is is terrible, obviously it doesn't need really to be said, but I have seen some fantastic things in this, and that is whilst we're talking about fuel, Russian tanks running out of fuel and being nicked by, by Ukrainian farmers in tractors. It is the oh, most yeah, joyous I thing that to was watch. Absolutely <laughs> superb, just nicking just this this Ukrainian farmer, yeah, with a with a collection of SAM missiles on the back of his tractor. Where did you get that from? <laughs> oh, just nicked it. Oh right, fair enough. It's like, well, no, no one's going to argue with it with you at that stage, are you? And, and once you've got a tank as well, if you just lock yourself in, it's fairly hard to, for anyone to get you out of it, isn't it? That's the idea, I think, isn't it? People are putting them on eBay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. lightly used. Uh, I've seen these. Honestly, it says fully functioning tank needs fuel uh, on eBay. Someone's got a good sense of humour. You're in the middle of a war zone, and you think, I know what I'm going to do. Got, they've got the big plums. I'm going to hook this tank up to my tractor. And this, this, this video of this this soldier, Russian soldier, legging it and trying to catch up with this tank. That's, that's coming out of my pay, which I'm oh, probably God. not going to get anymore. Can you imagine the uh, the penalty from uh, from the boss if you uh, happen to be in charge of a Russian tank and, uh, and you oh, lose God. it? That's not going to be... Pleasant. Vlad the invader is not going to like this. No. 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 The thing is, I mean, I mean, not wanting to go too political, but I mean... What I have been quite sort of 
buoyed by throughout this is this i mean there is still humor in this and and that's a case in point you know sort of people half inching russian <laughs> russian tracked vehicles with tractors you know you you can't look too badly on that that's that just shows that even in the midst of what is the most dire situation there is still a bit of a a bit of a humorous side to it and i think we have to cling to that otherwise we're all going to go mad aren't we it's, it's it's similar to the you know the sort of ukrainian sort of cyclist <laughs> whizzing up and yes. down past the tanks parts at the side of the road nobody's going to stop me going from my bike ride russians mm. or not <laughs> particularly not russians you've got to admire the spirit and i think that's something that's a bit of a lesson to us all really Definitely. There's certainly been an outpouring of, of support. We've seen uh, quite a few. We're, we've got a collection point at work, actually. For uh, we we put out an appeal for donations and you know a list of items. And if you can spare this, that, the other, here's a little list. If you can cobble it together, we've got two uh, two baskets in in the showroom. And within about 18 seconds of that first post going out, both baskets were full up. And uh, and the rest of the showroom just piled up remarkably quickly to the stage where you know mm-hmm. I got in on Monday morning and and you could hardly see through the window for stuff and we we filled up a van load of stuff dropped that off to the um, people who were running it on lorries to and from Poland twice a week three times a week uh, but they they've just said they've got to the stage where I, we, we can have a few more days of this and then sorry the warehouse is going to be full we'll have nowhere to store it. Um, so calm down on the donations for a bit until we can get it all over there. So I, I think that's been really nice, the community spirit, mm. the support, the, you know, whatever you need. And it wasn't just people who bought the odd thing or, you know, I'll chuck an extra can of beans in with the weekly shop and drop that down. People have gone out and bought bags and bags and bags of stuff, all brand new, you know, Quite bedding, food, bags. clothing, yeah. medicine. Yeah, bags and bags and bags, bags full of bags, actual bags, tents, yes, sleeping burgers, bags, you name it. There were everything. hundreds and mm. hundreds and hundreds of pounds people had spent on this, and, and it was nice to see. So, yeah, that that mm. that camaraderie, that, that blip spirit, that whatever you want to call it, it has been nice to see. So, yeah, we uh, we won't dwell on it too long, but it's um and it's and it's obviously just uh, an absolutely rubbish time for everyone in Ukraine. But the uh, the support has been quite nice to see. It does restore a little bit of faith in humanity. Well, yeah. just to bring it onto motoring related matters, which which it is. I mean, the, basically, Russia's being isolated from the rest of the world, and this is obviously having an effect on the the industry, the motor industry, um, because pretty much every motor manufacturer that has any dealings with Russia has severed ties. I mean, there's BMW, VW Group, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Nissan has uh, just said that it's going to suspend work on the on the factory in St. Petersburg, which has been churning out all sorts of stuff, X-Trails and the like. That's all gone. It does make you wonder. I mean, there's going to be an awful lot of cancelled orders. There's going to be a lot of cars, you know, left-hand drive Jags and high-end stuff that usually goes to the oligarchs in various parts of Russia that are now going to be surplus to requirements. So if you want to get yourself a cheap G-Wagen or a, or a Jag or a, or a high-end Range Rover, probably with dubious interior upholstery, keep an eye on the internet because there's going to be quite a few sitting there at the docks that they're going to want to get rid of fairly soon, I'd say. I'd rather like that joke I saw about uh, the board of directors of Zill saying, look, at last our time has come. We're, we're back in business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. BMW, Enjo- we don't Enjoyed that. that. But the, uh, you'd need to be a Russian oligarch to afford the fuel to drive it back from the port, and that's if you picked it up from the port nearest to you. This is very true. It's interesting. I mean, I, again, we're joking around. I mean, it's a very serious subject, but 
I mean, Russia's in danger of almost becoming like its um, its Cuban puppet, where they're going to have all these BMWs that nobody can afford or can get the spare parts for. So they're all going to end up being having larder 1.6 engines shoehorned into them because they're the only reliable bit of machinery that still exists that you can buy bits for in russia going forward i'd say so you just, you just hope the factories aren't seized by the state then used to create their uh i knew you said soviet i can't say soviet well uh, freudian but you joke <laughs> yeah uh, equivalents uh, and it's, oh, it's it's just mad the, the world the world is mad yeah, but of course, I mean, it has had a, a further knock-on effect in the motoring world, hasn't it, as well as uh, rising fuel prices, further shutdowns and, and shortages of car parts. If it wasn't bad enough already with a shortage of semiconductors, uh, Mini get quite a few of their parts out of Ukraine, so it happens. So they've uh, they've been left without parts. They've had to shut the factory for uh, a good couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to be open until about the 18th of March at the earliest, as it stands. So uh, if you've got a new Mini on order and you've been waiting for a while, I think you might be waiting a little bit longer for it, unfortunately. I think we're we're entering a, a third world war, which is part military and part economic, and uh, I think the way things are going, uh, it's going to have disastrous effects on on Western Europe, uh, possibly a bit less on China, certainly parts of Asia, and certainly on America. Uh, and I think Biden was planning to get up uh, this afternoon on uh, do a, an address which um, basically restrict the purchases of any oil out of russia which is world's third largest producer of oil over here though it's only it's only really a small amount that comes over by comparison to to where oil comes from every from everywhere else i think the danger is that this will get whipped up and hyped up by the media and then we get another idiotic fuel crisis again the price is oh, also yeah. going up which will perhaps stop people from panic buying it for the moment because it is it's obviously becoming very expensive but the last thing we need is this nonsense I think in, I heard the story in Germany they're running out of jerry cans. That seems appropriate, doesn't it? But <laughs> but uh, apparently there's a shortage of jerry cans now to stock your garage up with fuel, which is what they're all expecting to do. How they expect to get Russian gas into a jerry can, I don't know. But um... <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not as if the as you say, it's not as if the majority of the the fuel that we get comes from Russia. I mean, the, it's. It's more gas, I think, isn't it? As you say, Graham, yep. that that we are reliant on oil. Oil generally comes from places with deserts. So yeah, I, I think that is the danger, isn't it? People do panic and go, "Oh my God, they're cutting off supply, so we're not going to be able to get petrol." And it's the usual sheep mentality. Let's hope that people keep a bit of a calmer head this time around and see it for what it is. It's it's cutting off gas more than anything else britain does not generally get its oil from russia my good lady was telling me last night when she got home that she'd passed uh, a garage that she often uses near bexhill which is a very cheap independent um and it was queued for about half a mile in either direction on the road in the forecourt was chocker when she came back past it about three hours later They'd run out of fuel. Oh, God, here we go again. Yeah, exactly. We're going to start to see it again. Just when it looked like we'd be able to get out there and, and start seeing the world again, eh? It seems like we've been stuck at home for a very long time um, with lots of fuel in the tank, but not being able to go anywhere. Now things are starting to open up again. And in fact, I actually booked the tickets for the London to Brighton mini run, which doesn't go from Crystal Palace anymore because I don't like having cars in Crystal Palace, as it turns out, <laughs> because of environmental things. So that has to now go from somewhere else I haven't looked yet. The idea of being able to 
jump on a train or on a boat or something and get your way across the water and and drive across Europe or do some toy, whatever, you know, just getting out there was very appealing. But we seem to lurch from disaster to disaster. I've suspended planning my uh, grand tour of France, which I was intending to do this this summer, because I just don't think it's going to happen. I think things are going to get worse for a while. And certainly um, it's going to be more difficult to travel anywhere in Europe, I think, for a while. I'm concerned when you say Grand Tour of France, so I assumed that you would make your way to the nearest vineyard, and that's probably where you'd end up parked. <laughs> no, I know one or two. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a cooperative which uh, I know in the south of France, which uh, I've used on a, a several occasions, where you take in a 20-litre plastic can, and it, it has basically a fuel filler, the same as you would on a petrol pump, and you just pump in 20 litres. And pay for 20 it. litres? I yeah. love the idea of that. That's why I was overloaded the last time I came back. But there you go, it's another story. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid Graham has been sunk this evening. <laughs> yes, perhaps dangerous to go on ferries when you're that heavily loaded with liquids. <laughs> Took me several days to consume it. <laughs> several, several hours. <laughs> I I suspect things are going to settle down. I mean, it's this... I mean, the minute anybody... I mean, there's jitteriness isn't there i mean even at the best of times people are jittery around fuel and then when you've got the west saying right we're cutting off supply from russia which was always going to happen yep. it's ultimately you're trying to cut them off and what's what one of russia's biggest exports fuel and oil isn't it oil gas whatever and mm. it was always going to happen and once people adapt to that and realize that all right it's going to be a bit more expensive for a little while until we find an alternative supply Yes, you're going to have to get used to the fact it's going to cost a bit, but there's always going to be a supply. It, it just means the supply is going to be in more demand, so you're going to pay more for it, which isn't great, but compared to what's going on for the poor people of Ukraine, you know, mm. it's a small price to pay, metaphorically as well as financially. A tiny inconvenience. The American market is going to get uh, somewhat of a surprise when it goes from uh, $0.10 cents for the gallon to $10 for the gallon, which is... Uh, <laughs> the, the the ends the two ends of the spectrum that they're in the middle of at the moment. I suspect though that the US gets very little, if any, oil and gas from Russia. Really, does it? I mean, given the huge reserves it has of its own, does it actually even need to think about Russia? It's more the European states. Well, apparently America is already eating into its uh, emergency reserve stocks that are held at the refineries. Um, that started as of yesterday and as I say I haven't seen the news uh, early evening but uh, Biden was supposed to be uh, telling Russia that they didn't want to buy any more of their oil I don't I don't know how much they do buy in fact um, you know they've quite a lot of reserves of their own and uh, uh, with fracking and so on uh, likely to come back uh, even in this country and certainly in Europe anywhere they can they'll be squeezing oil out of the ground so uh, it's going to be a bit of a bonanza, I think, for some of the uh, North Sea operators that have had leases that have uh, looked like they were going to expire before they'd made any money out of them. Uh, I think we're going to go back into the North Sea oil exploration business. It's inevitable. Mm. It's, it's a case of cost per barrel, isn't it, that, that fracking and like suddenly becomes a viable prospect. It, it's expensive. Yeah. And it's driven away by... That's of a race to the bottom in 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 low oil prices, whether that be from Saudi Arabia or wherever, or Russia or whoever, fighting the price 
down per barrel, it suddenly doesn't become worthwhile doing the fracking, for example. Well, this morning's Brent crude price was, what was it, 129.9 a barrel. And uh, that, that, yeah, fracking becomes viable again. Mm. Still expensive, but it's viable at those sorts of numbers. Well, on a slightly lighter note, you may remember, anyone who was listening last week, that I I had a few problems with the Skoda. Now, I was pretty much convinced that it was the dreaded head gasket failure, which isn't that common on VR6s, but isn't unknown from looking through a few forums. Apparently, the engines are fairly common over in the States, where until fairly recently, fuel was quite a lot cheaper, and so they could afford to run them. They're not as common over here. A lot of things like the VW Atlas and various SUVs that Volkswagen build over there have the VR6 engine in. And from a bit of research, it does seem that head gasket failure wasn't unknown, but more at high mileages, which mine hasn't got. It's only about 50,000 miles on it. Anyway, I took it to my uh, my car doctor, my well-respected chap who's looked after my cars for a long time, VW Master Mechanic, who knows this stuff inside out. He's given it the full once-over and has declared it free of head gasket failure, pretty much. He's done the whole hydrocarbon sniff test in the coolant. He's basically given it a good long run. There's no white smoke. It's not using coolant any more than it would normally. So he reckons, at worst, I've got a little coolant leak. So I've got to run it, do some longer runs over the next couple of weeks, which (laughs) might be open to question if there are queues at fuel stations again and if fuel's stratospherically expensive but we'll we'll say if if you thought head gasket failure was expensive try filling the tank up and doing (laughs) a long run to see if the head gasket has gone (laughs) exactly how far down the road can you go oh that's it end of the road right seems all right at the minute i think we'll park it just to be on the safe side but yes Yes, i think pile of rover 25s yeah exactly the (laughs) it's it's no k series thank god but no in the grand scheme of things, I think I've got away lightly there. I was fully expecting the couple of grand to take the, the head off. And he said, you don't really want to do that unless you absolutely have to. And he said, at the minute, we don't need to. It seems all right. So good news. Good stuff. Good stuff. May have dodged something there, fingers crossed. Which means that if things do calm down a bit, I might be able to do some longer journeys, but maybe not quite as long as some that we've been mooting between ourselves. Well, no, but surely if uh, if you just need to go somewhere and run it for a, a long period of time, why don't you bring it along on uh, on the next track day that we take the fist to? You've you've got a choice. We've uh, we've booked Brands Hatch and Goodwood, so we've uh, you you can take your pick there, or why not do both and just see what happens? And that that'll definitely either kill it or cure it. What not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kill or cure. Could be interesting, yeah. I mean, again, would I be able to afford the uh, the fuel just to get it around one lap by that point? Or even get it to the circuit? Well, it's at some point, there, there must be, and I dare say there might be a market for this at some point in the not-too-distant future. You know, if, if it's not being used on the road fuel, then do you have to pay the duties? So is there some sort of market? All of a sudden, our diesels are going to become the, uh, the track day weapon of choice as red diesel is a bit petrol. more readily available than... Red petrol, because I don't think that's a thing, is it? But if no, uh, if you could somehow get duty free petrol only for use on track days or red diesel, then um, actually that's a, that could be quite a lucrative market. Do you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the for the gas genes to come back from World War Two, where they used to have these bags of coal gas on the roof. Have you ever seen those? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Or driving along with coal a, gas. Um, a coal yeah. gas extractor on a trailer behind you, yeah, pumping it, it into the yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. pumping yeah. the pumping time. into the car. Yeah, yeah. they were running on coal gas. Wow. 
Man, I mean, I'm looking forward to to this being an environmental, uh, environmentally green strategy for 2030. This is going to be <laughs> running on cold gas from a trailer behind you. Talk about like going a, backwards very, very fast. That sounds like a great idea. I think we might have to put some links to this on the um, on the website. You need. I to genuinely see have no idea what you're talking about. It has no, it has to be said. Definitely uh, links then. Yeah, mm. definitely. It needs to be seen to be believed. Yeah. Desperate time, desperate measures, and I think we're pretty much there again, aren't we? Well, I know in extremists I've got a a sort of half a tank full of heating oil out there, which uh, I may choose to use that in the car and shiver at home. Put a jumper on, man. <laughs> the jumper won't make the car go. Well, no, but it keeps your house warm. Well, it keeps I don't, you warm I, in your house. I, I don't know that the heating oil will make the car go, but it might be an experiment if I could afford it. The ramifications <laughs> it could be worth a try, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of links and speaking of track days, uh, I did uh, I did spot something on uh, on collecting cars this week, and it was uh, they've got some uh, obviously rare and unusual cars on there, and then uh, they do automobilia as well, and Ooh, you know yes. F1 show cars and things like that that you can pick up. Personalised number plate, so not uh, not that we're endorsed by collecting cars, but if they do want to sponsor this podcast, then uh, then we will happily collect some more cars for them. Chris, if you're uh, listening, but one uh, one thing that caught my eye this week was a, uh, and I've just sent a link in the group, and we'll uh, we'll stick that up on our various channels, was a replica of a 1992 Ferrari Formula One car, and sort of in in the. Uh, intrepidness of engineering uh it was built by a guy who happened to live near the factory the ferrari formula one factory <laughs> and knew a couple of people there so the 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 way they've worded the description was quite clever it was uh or you know sort of almost pleading the fifth amendment you know parts that were bound for the skip were re-diverted into an alternate supply chain shall we say so he basically nicked a load of bits out of the uh the bin <laughs> out of the back of marinello and, uh, and and glued this almost perfect replica of a 1992 F92A together and shoved a two-litre Alfa Romeo twin can engine into the back of it with uh, with a manual gearbox in it. And this this looks like a hell of a track day toy. It does look proper. I mean, at the moment, with, with four days left to go, it's a €12,000 track day toy. But what a track day toy. This, this is rather cheap. spectacular, this. You should definitely buy this. As your friend and fellow podcaster, I think it's only fair that I should say you must buy this. Uh, well, it, to be it, honest, if it was €12,000, buy it now. I might be half tempted to say, sod it, let's have it. But I, I dare say it'll probably go a little bit higher than that with four days to go. But just I just like it, the yeah. idea of, of popping your garage door open and your name saying, oh, I wonder what he's doing in there today. Oh, he's got a Formula 1 car in there. Fantastic. Why, why not, good. indeed? Yeah, fire that up in the garage. I'm, I'm just wondering how much work you would need to do to it to make it road legal. Oh, a lot. <laughs> I, I, uh, yes. Just I have bit. seen uh, fairly recently, in the last couple of years, uh, not very far from me, I've only seen it the once, and I was sort of shocked and open-mouthed. And that was a, that was a Ferrari Formula One car on the road. How it was powered, I don't know. It sounded very nice, and it appeared to be full-size. So somebody had built uh, a replica of some sort, a Schumacher wow. car, but but um, it just shot past while I was playing with grandson in the park, and I was just of where'd that come from? Never seen it wow. since. It sounds I'm... like a fever dream almost. <laughs> things like that. I mean, I'm just looking at these pictures. Stunning. It's, it's I, brilliant, I bet, isn't it? 
it is amazing. We we were talking last week about sort of the deliveries of Formula One and and saying how lovely the it was that Ferrari seemed to have gone back to the the classic Rosso Indeed. Corsa and black color scheme, and there it is, right in front of you. That's exactly what we were talking about, and that design that is just an economy of of curves. It's just perfect. It's the perfect shape. I think that and the the Jordan of the era, Eddie Jordan's first car, the seven up one that uh, gave Michael Schumacher his start in Formula One. That again, it's that just beautiful, absolutely form and function, and the two going hand in hand. It's a lovely looking thing. The only thing I think that would improve it would be if they took out the four cylinder Alpha engine as stuck in the V six. If you stuck the yeah. Um, yeah, the three liter Busso V six, it would have the soundtrack to go with the um, the looks. I'd say and straight pipe it. Yeah, you you need the V twelve in there, really. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to do an engine swap, go all the way. Put two V sixes in. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, talking of two liter red Italian cars, this is apropos. Nothing. My next door neighbour has been um, restoring to road use a two thousand and eight. Alpha Spider, you know, the, the Brera without a roof, Pretty. which mm-hmm. is absolutely gorgeous. And he's got it on the road now. It's got an MOT and it's running and it looks Ooh. absolutely gorgeous. He's polished it. He's put the rear bumper on that was all knackered. And yes, it still steams up inside because it's got a leaky roof. It's an Alpha after all. But my God, when he starts it and drives off, it's absolutely stunning. It's that very similar red, actually, to what I'm looking mm. at on this on this fake Ferrari. It's um yeah, it's it's a thing of beauty and I'm so pleased he's got it going because he's so happy with it and he really has and he's done an awful lot of work to get it where it is. He's still got a way to go. I mean ultimately it's an alpha. It's always going to be a work in progress, but fair play to him. It's um yeah, lovely. If you're going to spend a fortune to drive your car, you might as well make it a pretty one. I saw somewhere today an alpha sud. Alpha sud that's just uh, been sold at absolutely silly money, but it only got, I think, under 30,000 on the clock. I've not seen an Alpha Sud for donkey's years. They all rested home. There's one that's been for sale on um, Auto Trader for quite a while, a silver one. Uh, is that. I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure it's the same one. It came in on, on one of the news feeds that I was looking at, and, you know, it was 40 grand or something silly like that. It oh, blimey. I, I think they're quite cool looking. Um, they're lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Thing. If you can find one that isn't like a galvanized bucket that's been left out in the garden for twenty years, you know they're they're just they're just full of holes almost immediately you get out of the factory. What one that has has never been used in the rain? I think is the answer. Or ever washed would probably be better. Just, just <laughs> never seen any kind of moisture whatsoever. I've I've just found it actually the one on Auto Trader. It's up for sale for nineteen thousand nine hundred and fifty. It's a rare gold clover leaf. It's one hundred and twelve thousand miles, one and a half liter. Um, I can't find the age of it. What's the ridge? It's got to be around an eighty eight, eighty nine, perhaps a bit earlier. It's uh, it's a Y ridge. It's an eighty three. It's the one with the big headlights. So it's uh, the one of the later ones. Yeah, it it looks in remarkable condition actually. Very, very nice to look at. I mean, again, perhaps we'll stick a link up on the website. Any of them that survived are in remarkable condition in the, <laughs> so much as they're not a pile of rust somewhere. But, yeah, it does look good. Sounds like my beloved Puma. I, in fact, I was chasing one home yesterday, which I, I very much enjoyed. I, I really miss my old, my original Puma, but certainly the one that uh, former to, to the fist and there was the uh, the Puma track car, and we put that on the MOT ramp. And I seem to remember sweeping off the MOT ramp more than we drove off 
Uh, is that is that right? We we just yeah. stuck a screwdriver through pretty much half the car, didn't we? Underneath, it just went. Yeah, if we crash, the top half of this is coming off. The whole back end of the car, to be honest, would have fallen off on uh, if if you'd run wide or bounced it across the curbs too hard. I think the uh, the subframe mm. would have just been ripped out of it. So a shame, real shame. Why was the the car the car? Uh, we're back there again. Why why was the car and its derivative the Puma, why were they so prone to rust? What is it about well, them that makes them so bad? The, the Puma, I, I know the answer to. So uh, it was developed very, very quickly and brought to market very quickly. It uses pretty much all the same underpinnings as the car, car whatever you want to call it. We always called it a cat because if you happen to be walking around, can you get the keys for the car? It makes no sense to anybody. So <laughs> cat. But the rear wheel arches in particular, if you imagine sort of a, a B shape, if you're looking at the one on the left-hand side, it came down and then curled round. And what happened was all the dirt used to get stuck inside the B and there was nowhere for it to go. So it got stuck from the arch liners and then inside the back of the arches and then it would just build up. And if you punch a hole in the back of the sort of the sill of one of these things, you could see like a stack of mud where it would just then get into everywhere and then rust out. And it was the same for the racing pumas, which were a standard Puma, and then they took the cars over to Tickford, much like they did with the 1600Es and RS500s, the Orion 600E, and the Sierra RS500s. And they cut in, uh, into the back of the car, basically welded extra sets of arches onto the onto the rear quarters, which then trapped even more rust. So the whole thing was just built of rust traps. The Tickford one was great fun to drive when when new, though. I remember road testing one. And it wasn't it wasn't any quicker, it wasn't any actually any, no, not any more powerful. Um, but it felt better. It was better sorted and better set up and so on. And I remember one of the roundabouts in Chichester. I went around three times just because I was enjoying hanging it out there. It was just great fun to drive. It, it does. It, it, it's very oversteery, lift off oversteery. The the racing Puma, and it is one of those cars. And there's not very many that do this, but it turned me into an absolute hooligan every time I drove one. <laughs> Uh, I, me too. I really, me really too. love them. Uh, but I do know as a fact, because Jim and I happen to know one of the development engineers for this car, that they were taking them around the test track at Dunton and they couldn't get it to go around really any faster than a standard 1.7. But the, re- the reason why they developed the car as they did, the size of it and everything else, was because it was supposed to be the next generation of rally car that would take on from the Escort Cosworth and so would use a Cosworth 4x4 system. So it's the right size to be a Cosworth 4x4 car. It would have been an absolute monster if they hadn't killed the programme. Uh, and they did still use them in rally in, in the S1600 spec, but I just, I, I love them. They're balanced beautifully. The 1.7 Yamaha engine is is an absolute joy to drive. It's not quick, but it's revy and it sounds fantastic. And Ford then were interested in, particularly in creating great driver's cars. And they built the car just, just to satisfy the, the driver, not getting in or out because you'd always smack your head on the uh, on the A pillar or passenger side or driver side. In fact, you'd get used to doing it on the driver side. You'd duck at the right point, and then you'd be a passenger in your own car and smack your head on the other side. But <laughs> there, there, there were some beautiful parts of the design, such as the exhaust and inlet manifolds, which they designed to create a certain noise, so there's a resonator under the engine. But they they tuned the engine to make the noise. Hugely satisfying car to drive. Flawed because it had a lovely alley gear knob, which you'd put your hand in the winter and you, you would stick to it. You, you needed to get one of those little uh, knitted cosies that uh, I, I think had you one of those, a knob to work in, don't you? Yeah, I did. Yes, uh, you use that for your apple, don't you? 
Yes, the the, the little innocent smoothie. Other smoothies are available. Innocent smoothie hats that they knit around Christmas time. Had a little selection of those in the car because otherwise, I say your your hand would would freeze solid to the knob, or otherwise in the summer it would be so unbelievably hot that you would get the the imprint of the of the gear of the gear mapping on the inside of your hand in reverse. If you've ever touched a seatbelt, got into a black car and touched the metal part of the seatbelt by mistake, you'll know exactly what I mean. But yes, I, I, I mourn that car and, and you can still put them up for a couple of grand. But unless you've got somewhere to keep it inside, if it's not already and a rotten, big welder. And a big welder. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. If you, although if you, uh, if you did have one that had been kept up to or uh, restored or wasn't in a rusty condition, you know, to, to sort that little profile on the arches or, you know, wax oil it and then fill it up with something, you know, to, to keep the the muck out then then actually mm. they're probably not too bad are they they're, they're not too bad it's the returns underneath where the, the subframe goes as we mentioned can be a problem but i did find out that if you take a peugeot 206 front wheel arch turn it around the other way so the driver's side front for example would fit the passenger side rear on a puma you can swap them over because you couldn't buy repair panels for a very long time and the the, the shape is the same and I think yeah. if you did that and, and waxed them up nicely inside, because they tend to be a, a, like an open flange, that it's, it's probably a lot more resistant to the rust. The Tickford wasn't very uh, big inside when I was doing this three times around the roundabout. We were actually recording the road test for a radio station. And the presenter, uh, producer, uh, who was trying to uh, record it as we went round and round and round, uh, he was six foot four. Uh, which meant, you know, every time I tweaked the steering just a little bit more, he'd bang his head again on the roof. So uh, after three, <laughs> he'd had enough. Three falls and a knockout, I think. Hmm. Made, for, made for a good road test. It's interesting you're saying about the repair pass. I was just reading something very similar in um, in a classic car magazine that I subscribed to. They were saying exactly that, that Peugeot wings fit the thing isn't it it's amazing isn't it the ingenuity that people come up with and what will work and what won't uh, you know it's mm. probably saved a lot of people a lot of heartache if nothing else it, w- it was the only answer for a long time and now it's probably still a cheaper answer really to be able to put the things back together but i, I suspect it's one of these cars that will become an endangered species very soon much like xr3s did they got to a point where they were banger money and people ran them as bangers and yeah, these indeed. these are quite re- resilient, in fact, to being run that way. They're pretty economical. The boots actually are surprisingly good size. And if you don't need the back seats and you just want something that's half decent to drive, or you don't really care and you just want something that looks pretty, it's fine for either of those things. But soon enough, they're going to need to find the way into the hands of people that are going to look after them. Because I, I suspect that they'll disappear off the roads in a few years' time. We'll look back at them and go, God, weren't they a great little car? And where are they now? I, I would definitely have another one, quite happily. But I would want to keep it inside, particularly as I live down by the sea. It would look very quickly if I left it parked up like it had been parked in the sea, I suspect. <laughs> and on that enthusiastic chat about cats, I guess it's probably time we should say goodbye. But thank you very much for listening to us today. It's been a pleasure. So from me, Mike, goodbye. From me, Jim, goodbye. From me, Graham, goodbye. Take care. And from me, Dave, goodbye. See you next time. Do 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 do. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.